0: Welcome to Chronicles Abroad and presenting Global Grind with Aaron, a weekly podcast series where we discuss practical steps to get you started working abroad. Everybody, what's going on? Welcome to Chronicles Abroad with Global Grind. This is part two, and we are glad to be back. I am your host Nubia, and I'm Francis, and we have Aaron Horwath with us again. What's going on, Aaron?
1: Hello. Thank you for having me back.
0: Of course. So, what's going on?
1: So. Uh, In the first episode, we talked a little bit about the foundational stuff that you need to think about when you start looking into moving abroad. And so this episode, we're looking specifically at once you've gone through some of those questions and maybe you did our start grinding assignment, um, looking specifically at what countries might be the best for you based on what you're interested in doing once you move abroad. And so to kind of recap a little bit, we wanted to start with. What are all of the options that you can look into when you start looking for jobs abroad? Because the tendency is to think of staying in your industry that you're currently in. But a lot of times people find that once they start expanding their job search internationally, there's a lot more options available to them uh, that they actually might be interested in that they had never considered before. We all have experience teaching English, and that's definitely one of the more popular ones, especially for uh, Southeast Asia. But there's lots of other options for jobs when you're looking at an international job market.
0: Okay, so let's recap a little bit. Start grinding. Let's go back to the listeners that maybe did not hear episode one. So the start grinding assignment. You want to get give us a little bit about that? Yes,
1: yeah, so we asked listeners to write down three different locations or cities that they were maybe interested in living in and then doing a little background research on each one. So watching blog posts or vlogs of people who were living there or lived there recently and trying to find both people who had positive things to say about the city that they were interested in and also maybe less positive things to say. And then kind of just after each post or each video reflecting on if based on that information you could still see yourself living in each of the locations that you had picked um, as your maybe top three or top three that you were interested in moving to.
2: Nice. I think that's a great start for everyone and which leads us to exactly what it is that you want to do and like you said teaching English is very popular it's a it's a I don't want to say it's easy way to get into but it's it's the most common route that a lot of people take when they move abroad but teaching English is just not the only one uh Aaron so so Aaron can you speak a little bit more about what some options are available for those who aren't looking to teach English
1: yeah so a little bit similarly related would be like social enterprises or NGOs and so there's a lot of Nonprofits out here, and large Western organizations that are working here. Whether it's groups that are helping helping with orphanages, or st- uh, groups that are focused on inter- environmental issues that are, are issues in places like Southeast Asia or South America. So that would be one that's fairly popular. One of the, I think we touched on it a little bit in the last episode, but you do have to keep in mind that those are going to be lower paying or no paying. So if you're going that route, keeping in mind that you're going to be maybe having to work on the side to fund some of your NGO work or you're just going to be living a little bit tighter budget when you're when you're taking that route.
0: So let's give our listeners a little background of what an NGO is or a social enterprise.
2: So an NGO is basically a non-government organization and social enterprise is essentially working in a community to have a social impact. So these agencies come together to whether it's trying to find a way to get clean water to a village or to teach in an extremely rural town. Uh, So those are social
1: enterprises.
0: Sales and marketing.
1: Well, I think I would say then you, the next one I would say in terms of popularity would be freelancing. So you have a lot of people who are taking advantage of freelance work online. So websites like Upwork and other platforms that are cater specifically to freelancers. So if you're a graphic designer, you're a photographer, you're a writer, uh, you're a developer, you run websites, you do social media, all of those things are those are some of the more popular Uh, freelancing gigs that people get while they're working abroad. And the great thing about freelance is that, obviously, you're working on your own time. It gives you a lot of flexibility. As long as you have an internet connection, you're good to go. You can make money. Most people either use the platforms themselves for transactions for payment or you're using PayPal. um, So it's super flexible in that way. And that's why it's so popular with people. The flip side of that is that because it's really popular and it allows you so much flexibility, there's a lot of people who are trying to do it. And so it's a fairly competitive space and it takes a little bit of time spent actually doing it to build a clientele and and get a business going.
0: Got it. And you can pretty much freelance anything. Anything. If you know how to edit, you can freelance. If you know how to code, you can freelance. If you know how to take pictures, if you're a photographer you can freelance. You can. I mean, yeah. So you just look at some of your hard skills and just utilize them in any way you can. It's, it's amazing. I love freelancing. All right.
2: So the next on the list is Peace Corps. Uh, Peace Corps is also popular, but like you said, Erin, it is like below poverty line when it comes to the living wage. Uh, they do, I think uh, they pay for your housing and give you a sort of a stipend but it's very low paying and it's a, at least a minimum two year commitment. And I know there's two different levels of the Peace Corps. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about that Aaron?
1: And then another popular one now, especially with more loose and relaxed corporate policies about actually working physically in an office, uh, remote work is becoming, becoming really, really popular. So taking three months months to work remotely in South America or moving to a different office that your company has in a different country companies are much more willing now to allow for staff to work wherever they want because everything is so is digital, operating on the cloud. You don't need, there's no reason um, for a lot of professionals to work in the physical office. And so um, rem- people are now working remotely a lot more and getting a chance to see the world while not taking so much of a risk of trying to get a job in a new country or trying to start a freelance career. So they get kind of the safety net of actually working for their company, but getting to move and, and live in a different country.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. I think that's a big one. We run across a lot of people who are taking what you would call sabbatical, which is time off of work, and it's been a great work-life balance for a lot of people. So, it's a great opportunity for you to go to your human resources department to your human resources department and find out if there is a flexible program or some kind of sabbatical written into your contract. Yeah, and we
2: actually have two articles that we posted on Chronicles Abroad that shows you how to live abroad without actually quitting a job. So we'll link those into the show notes.
1: Yeah, and then I think finally, maybe most risky or, or slightly more difficult, um, but definitely one of the greatest best situations that you can find yourself in is doing your full-time work in another country. Um, So you're being a software developer, working for a company in the country that you wanna work in or being in sales and marketing, more traditional jobs uh, where you're actually, your place of work is in uh, the country that you're living in. And that can take a little bit more on the digital networking side and having some industry connections and things, but it's a fantastic opportunity if you get the chance to actually find a job uh, in another country and and work from there.
0: True, but these things you need to consider, right? So, for instance, if you live over in Thailand, but you have clients in the US, you're most likely going to be working overnight. (laughs) So you just got to keep that in mind and also network connection. Even with a lot of the remote jobs, any kind of freelancing, remote software development, even teaching English online. And I found that out the hard way going to Bali, thinking I was going to teach and the internet really was horrible. So you got to do some research as you're um, choosing the right country for you, which is a great segue. Yeah, sorry, yeah, uh, it's a great. about that.
2: Yeah, it's a great <laughs> segue because depending on the type of uh, job or type of work you want to do, location is going to make a, a big difference. It's going to matter, and so it's important to make sure that the location matches the industry.
1: Yeah, and I think the only thing we want to point out here is that um, these aren't hard and fast rules, but generally you have certain locations that are more popular for certain types of expats. So somewhere like a Hong Kong or a London is going to be focused maybe on finance or big business somewhere like Berlin, Portugal, Tel Aviv. Those are really hot startup um, locations right now. And then you have a lot of English teaching in Thailand, Korea, Vietnam, Japan, and then a lot of digital nomads in Malaysia, Vietnam, Thailand and Bali. And so the only point here is that based on what your interest is professionally is going to dictate a little bit on the places that are most likely to land you the type of job that you want and the type of lifestyle that you want. So keeping in mind that depending on what your interests are professionally is going to guide a little bit where you're going to end up uh, in the world.
2: And another thing that makes a huge difference is the salary in those different locations. So it's important to figure out how to determine a fair salary across different economies.
1: Yeah, and that can be really hard because how do you know how much something costs in Vietnam if you've ever been here? So one of the tools when I've been looking at locations to move to that I use is Numbio.com. And Numbio allows you to compare the cost of living between cities. So I can go into Numbio and put in Portland, Oregon, my hometown and Da Nang, Vietnam. And it will show me a bunch of information about the, the cost of living in each location and how they compare. So I can see that rent prices in Portland, Oregon are 255% higher than in Da Nang. Restaurant prices are 272% higher. And I can even go down to like really granular stuff, like a meal at an inexpensive restaurant in Da Nang cost a dollar ninety-seven, and in Portland, Oregon, it's thirteen point seven five. So it's five hundred ninety-six percent more expensive. And I can go into yeah. So I but you can you can go into how much imported beer costs. You can go into how much milk per liter costs. You can go in and see how much eggs cost. Transportation, utilities, sport and leisure, child care, clothing and shoes, rent, apartment prices for buying, all of those things. So it's a really nice tool to use to figure out. I think that. You know, if you have an idea of what your salary might be, you can go in and see what your daily and monthly expenses are going to be and figure out if you're going to be able to live the quality of life that you're hoping for in that city.
2: That's, that's a great g- resource. Yeah, that's an awesome resource because then you could really budget and forecast what your budget's going
0: to look like. Is that a free website? That's free. Yeah, even better. We love freebies. Even
1: better. <laughs> <Bad>. <laughs> Skip the fluff and shallow advice. Global Grind provides you with actionable steps so you can start grinding towards your dream of working abroad. So when you're looking at where to move, obviously determining what your salary is going to look like and using that to figure out what your quality of life is going to look like is super important. The second one most people talk about is safety. And the only point that I want to make here is is to make sure that you look beyond the headlines. A great example is Mexico, where you see lots of kind of fantastic headlines, negative, fantastic headlines. What would that be?
2: Oh, the um, what is God! The I know what you're talking about. Like fantastic, but
1: sensationalized. There we go. Headlines. Yes,
2: sensationalized.
1: There you go. Sensationalized headlines about violence and things that occurs along the border. But my mom lives in Mexico. She lives right on the beach and she most of the time feels very safe there. And so just making sure that when you're taking safety into account, you're you're doing a deeper dive into the research and making sure that you're not falling for for the latest news.
2: Wait a minute. So does your mom have like a three bedroom? I mean, can we catch a flight and just go hang out with her? Like what's up?
1: You have a mansion in Thailand. <laughs> what do you want to go to Mexico for? <laughs>
2: don't you have a pool yeah but I love Mexican food man something you can't get (laughs) in Southeast Asia
0: really (laughs) right back to the food (laughs) whatever anyway (sighs) Oh, my gosh. No, that's true, though. I'm glad you brought that up. So safety, you do have to look beyond beyond the headlines. And that goes back to quality of life, right? Because if you feel safe, you have a better quality of life. So let's talk about some of the things that people should look into when they are really starting to consider moving abroad.
1: Yeah. So, one of, the, one of the things that I had never even considered growing up in Portland, Oregon, was pollution and how big of a role it plays in your quality of life when it's a factor in everyday life. And so, um, even when I first got to Hong Kong, which doesn't have that low of air quality, I noticed the difference between Portland and living there. And then, when you get to somewhere like Hanoi, which sometimes has higher levels of pollution than Shanghai. You really start to feel it and how you can see how just the pollution alone would make you probably not want to stay as long as you would otherwise, just because you can feel uh, the health effects of living in that every day. So if you have someone like smaller children or you have someone with asthma or you just value your lung health (laughs) like a normal person, that's going to be something that you want to take into account. Yeah, that's
2: a huge challenge because so I was actually I had a job offer in China, but you know, one of the main reasons I turned it down was their pollution. It get, comes to a point where no one goes out. It's kind of like a weather issue. It's raining too much, so no one, everyone stays home. So when that, when it hits that high index,
0: people stay home, and so I was like, ah, oh, that
2: might not be a good fit for me.
0: And also here in Thailand, I mean, it's not necessarily a overly polluted country, but in Chiang Mai, just for a certain season. It's considered high polluted index, like high pollution, due to what they call the smoky season. And I was here during smoky season this year and I got sick. It was really bad. It was really bad. And I said, I will not do that again. So just doing your research and knowing that pollution really does affect your quality of life.
1: Yeah, another thing to keep in mind when you're looking at developing countries is the amount of construction as well, which sounds kind of silly, but I've never lived in an apartment in Vietnam that didn't have construction going on next door. So that's like three years of metal falling and drilling and and all the crate and the and the dust and the dirt and the craziness that comes with a lot of construction in a developing country and so that's those are just some of the things that you have to deal with when you're moving to somewhere that's a little bit less expensive is that it's less expensive because it's developing and when it's developing that means there's going to be a lot of construction going on around the city
0: yeah and food cleanliness right
1: yeah, so one of the things you'll know, I mean, if you've ever been to India, you've ever been to Vietnam is that the first couple you you should prepare yourself to be ill the first couple of weeks. I don't know, do you guys have the do you have the same experience in Thailand?
0: No, but I had it in Bali. That's why yeah. they call it the Bali belly.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> it happens in Thailand too. I've had some friends when um, got sick. Yeah, so you just got to be careful where you eat at.
1: Yeah. So I think it's not none of these are We're not suggesting that because the food might be dirty, you wouldn't move somewhere. But it's more of like, if you decide to move to a developing country, these are some of the things that you should probably expect that you're going to have to deal with, at least some semi-regularly. Pollution is going to be a factor. Food cleanliness is going to be a factor. Construction is going to be a factor as well. Um, uh, And then also going back to a little bit to Numbio and thinking about what industry you want to be in and what your salary expectations are, deciding on how you want to allocate your, your money. So it's possible for you, like you guys have a mansion for $500 a month. And so that's- a, that, You keep
2: saying mansion.
1: You guys have a huge hometown mansion. <laughs> what was it? 5, square, 5,000 square feet. I think you're making that number up. With a grotto is what I heard. Whatever, whatever it was. <laughs> whatever it was. But- you have the opportunity to get to get, a, to get a nice place, but it's going to depend on how much you feel like you want to save um, each month. So just looking into how much is an apartment cost, how much am I going to be making, what is the cost of living per day, and then figuring out what you're going to be able to afford before you move there.
0: Well, can I just say one thing, though, real quick? Yeah. It's the research, man. It's like when people think you're moving out of the country, they think you're moving to a hut, right? A lot of these places are very cosmopolitan.
2: Yeah, my friend actually sent a video to my friend and she was like, wow, I'm surprised how westernized the house is. And I was like, yeah, I mean, often, you know, some of these countries cater to Westerners. Countries are developing, like you said, so they're making those types of changes anyway
1: yeah and you yeah. have lots, you have a lot of online resources as well to determine what you're going to be able to afford so uh, it's really easy to look up local real estate sites and even craigslist is used a lot even over here in southeast asia for posting for expats apartments for expats especially in expat neighborhoods and so it's really easy to get an idea of what monthly prices you're going to be paying for whatever it is that you need got it
2: so what's next next is accessibility travel opportunities so one of the main attractions of living in Chiang Mai or living in Thailand period is the ability to travel to a number of countries within within the area of Thailand, whether it's Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, all that. Uh, and a lot of it is pretty affordable, whereas when I was living in Japan, traveling outside of Japan and in Japan emptied my pockets. So I had to be very careful where I was going and how often. What are your thoughts on that, Aaron?
1: Yeah, I agree. So that's that is the appeal of Southeast Asia is that I think you have, depending on where you are, somewhere around like 150 or 200 locations that you can get to in under 200 or 300 dollars. And so you can go to a ton of different places for the weekend, get a very cheap visa, especially for Americans, if you need one. And you can hop to anywhere just for a weekend trip. I've gone to Thailand, I've gone to Taiwan, Kuala Lumpur, all over the place, just for, you know, two days to adventure around a city
0: yeah and I mean just to hop on that like Thailand is so accessible mm-hmm. and that was one of the things that was very attractive to me in 6 months I think I've been to 8 countries
2: Wow! in Japan I was I just went back to Vietnam <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> moving along she was stuck she was it's like a help lord
0: help
2: <laughs> I'm, you, Lord, I'm cold and I can't leave Oh
0: my god <laughs> <laughs> um. And that's okay key, Case in point Let's use uh, Francis as a case study If you know you do not like cold weather Man, sh- hush your mouth I no. thought I could take it no, let me just... If you cannot or do not want to deal with certain weather conditions or moving to a place that's just as expensive as the U.S., don't move your ass to a place <laughs> that has winter and is just as expensive as the U.S. I just don't understand it. Yeah, Japan is expensive. I mean, it's still cheaper than the U.S., but it's expensive. But you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Relative. it's yeah. it, You know, for for Southeast Asia, it's one of the most expensive Countries, mm. I think it's in Asia though, but it's another.
2: most expensive in Asia. No, I'm saying it's Japan's in Asia, but that's another conversation. All
1: right, let's get back and on finally, track. <laughs> don't do what <it> Francis <laughs> did. let see
0: do. what he's cracking so,
1: <laughs> so finally, when you're picking a location, one of the things that you want to keep in mind is what kind of community you're looking at being a part of, and so. Expat communities differ depending on the city that you're in. When I was in Hong Kong, you had a lot of business people, a lot of young entrepreneurs who were very successful, and it was a great kind of startup community to get to know people. If you're in Vietnam, it's very different. You have a lot of backpackers, English teachers, people who are kind of figuring things out, kind of halfway between either leaving a career or maybe they never really started or they're full-time English teachers and neither of those is better or worse than the other but it's definitely a different crowd one is hippie pants and one is like you know a suit and tie like so those are th- to give you a caricature of each of each location so you, other places are going to be really young other places are going to be a, really hot with retirees some places are going to have lots of English. Other places are going to have maybe like more Russian or more, you know, more popular with people from different countries. Da Nang is very popular with Koreans and Jap- Japanese uh, people, especially for vacations. So you just have to take into account what kind of communities you're interested in spending time with and making sure that those are going to match up with where you're going.
2: I think that's a great point. I don't think that, I knew that's not something I thought about when I initially moved abroad, but now one of the reasons I moved out of Japan was this low build of community. It was kind of difficult. Like I, m- I met a lot of folks and everything else, but there was still something missing for me. So that's one of the reasons um, why I left the community. So it's very important.
1: And the the communities are fairly easy to find, so you can get a sense before you even leave who's there. If if you Facebook like expats Tokyo or expats Da Nang, you'll find a big Facebook groups of people who are trying to connect, and you can kind of get a feel for who's there, what people are interested in, why people are working there, what jobs are available. It actually provides a lot a nice cross-section of expats, so you can get a feel of what's there before you even head there.
0: That's a good point. And there's a lot of organizations and travel group or group travel companies where you travel to these places and you're with other digital nomads. She's like on like slow
2: speed. Like, I don't know. Somebody press fast forward. (laughs) (laughs) You were just you were just close. cracking up. I don't know you're a little too happy. This one slowing down, oh, so I don't know my what's going on. God. <laughs> so it's been a long week. But I'm right. hot too. Did it get hotter? I feel like it's getting hotter <laughs> by the minute. Oh, anyway, let's move on to one of the, another. Something else to consider when you're moving abroad is, for example, if you live in Ho Chi Minh City, a lot of people speak English. So you'll find some many Vietnamese that speak English, and it's, it feels a little easier to connect with them and, you know, find Vietnamese friends and, you know, meet with the locals. Uh, but someplace like Japan, they, a lot of them don't speak English, or they do, or, but they're a little bit reserved or too shy to, to communicate. So that can become very isolating as well.
1: Yeah. And I think even like just different cultures are more open to foreigners. Like when I went to Taiwan, it was really took me back a little bit by how uninterested they were in foreigners, either because there's a lot more there or it's just a little bit more reserved. But in Vietnam, you walk in somewhere, people are super excited. You speak a little Vietnamese. It's like all fun and games. And they're interested in where you're from and what you're doing in Vietnam. How long have you been here? What's your name? And in Taiwan, it was like nothing crickets like crickets everybody like nobody looked at you nobody said hello nobody like thought even noticed you it was like you were just another country like another customer at the coffee shop Um, it was very different and i was really actually surprised by how different it was and so yeah those are probably a little bit harder to tell before you leave but there are definitely differences between countries of how receptive they are to uh foreigners
0: yeah i totally agree with that Consider the type of life you want abroad, right? You got to really think about the pace that is going to meet your personality. So if you I'm not a big city person. So I knew that someplace like Bangkok was not for me. So if you want a slower pace, maybe consider countries like Costa Rica, Ecuador, Panama. If you want big city adventure or big adventure in general, maybe someplace like India or China something comfortable and more for like a family aspect staying in the west or in southeast asia and even certain pla- parts in europe yeah would most likely fits your, your your lifestyle
2: yeah i totally agree with that i think that i'm not a big city person either and when i lived in nagoya it was cool living in the city and where i, I was actually located where my apartment was a lot quieter so it was away from the hustle and bustle so it worked for me so if you're not Big city person. I know some folks who are really into outdoors and nature, so like a place like Bangkok would not bode well with them.
1: Our mission is simple: to see you win. We make sure you have every single resource you need to cut through the clutter and make things happen. Yeah, or use it as an excuse to try the uh, try the other. So if you've been working in a high-pace, high-stress industry for 10 years in a big city, use it as an opportunity to maybe go try a different lifestyle in a quieter, slower-place place, place. or, you know, moving outside the city where you have maybe, like, a, a small house with like a little plot of land or something. That's always been a dream of mine. After living in big Asian cities is to finally end up in South America on a, a nice, quiet plot of land where things are a little bit calmer. So I would say if you're going to make the leap abroad and you're going to have make this big life change, you might as well go all in and even just try something totally different than you're used to uh, back home.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Because then you might find you actually like it.
1: Yeah, and theres it's a great excuse to to try something totally different.
2: So Aaron, what tip do you have for folks who are moving abroad and doing this whole thing.
1: So anytime, any review of anything is going to be either really positive or really negative, because the people who feel so-so about something are never motivated enough to post online about it. So you're only getting the two ends of the spectrum. And uh, and so you want to make sure that when you're reading, you understand that as great as somebody says a place is, it's probably 30 percent as great, and the places that they say are bad are 30% as bad as they say that they are. So whoever the, you know, to get your attention or because they really did not like it and they had a uniquely bad experience or a uniquely good experience, those are the things that tend to make it onto vlogs and onto blogs. And so just to make sure that you're kind of reading between the lines a little bit and and making sure that you're not being Taken away on like a super negative review, like there is of Vietnam online, or super positive reviews of other places.
2: Yeah, you you know you really just gotta take everything with a grain of salt, and you have to do it and go research for yourself, and actually go to these places if you can to get your own personal experience.
1: Start grinding for this week. Since we brought up Nubio, I think it's a good place to start, so people get used to the tool, using the tool. So. For star grinding, write down three countries you think you might be interested in moving to. And if you did the last global grind assignment, you can use the three countries you chose for the last global grind assignment for this one. But pick three locations you're interested in moving to. Use Numbio to compare them to your current city as well as each other to see how they compare and which ones are gonna be more expensive um, and which ones are gonna be a little bit more affordable. And then just look at the data, can think about what your salary might be living there and see which ones are gonna afford you the lifestyle that you're hoping for. What kind of apartment does it look like you're gonna be able to afford? Um, How many times out per night or per week do you think you're gonna be able to go out um, drinking with friends or getting dinner and just kind of start to budget and get a feel for what what your lifestyle is gonna look like uh, once you move.
2: I love it. Love it. And of course, as always, if you have questions, concerns, or even success stories, if you actually, if you did the start grinding exercise, we'd love to hear from you. And you could reach us at globalgrind at com, and share what you've done so far. And we'd love to connect with you.
0: Woo Sorry, was that too much?
2: Always. Was, you know, you draw a line in the sand and there she goes
0: No, the listeners know, seriously I like to have fun with this But we totally enjoy getting emails from you guys Yes It is a highlight of my day Seriously Of our so, day okay. She tends to I think s- singular I can only talk about myself in this situation But it makes us smile when we get emails from listeners So definitely hit us up let us know what you guys think about the tips. Aaron, right? That's my name. Let us know how you, you know, enjoying the format,
2: any feedback or suggestions or anything that you want us to tap into. Uh, we'll definitely bring it to the show.
0: We'll do the research and explore it some more and get you some answers. Well, Aaron, pause. thank you again for another great episode of Global Grind. And we look forward to next week's episode.
2: Now that you got a taste of the Global Grind series... We're here every Tuesday to give you practical advice so you can begin your international career. And of course, don't miss our regular Chronicles Abroad episodes every Wednesday to listen to real people living that international life. Make sure you also follow us on Twitter at Chronicles Abroad and Instagram at Chronicles underscore Abroad and send all of your questions to us either on Twitter or through our email, globalgrind at chroniclesabroad.com. Until then, stop daydreaming and start grinding. Music by Almighty K-Rock.